Hey everyone, I'm Renee Bennett. Consider me the girl next door, having conversations that will help challenge and shape your worldview in a culture that has turned our moral compass upside down and inside out. To chat with me further, come join me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. No topics are off limits. I'm really glad you're here. Now, on to today's episode. Hi guys, welcome to what will probably be the last episode in this collection, Shot in the Dark. But before we get on with today, I just want to say thank you and acknowledge the people who are a part of supporting this podcast, which you can also become a member. Link is in the show notes or on my Girl Next Door podcast. The platform is called Buy Me A Coffee. But just a huge shout out to Brooke, Victoria, Chloe, an anonymous member, Kylie, Sophie, Louise, Marie, Pam and Chris. Christina. Guys, I appreciate each one of you so much. Anyway, on with today, um, I wanted to, I was actually going to have last week as my last, not last week, what day are we? I can't even think. Yes, I do mean last week. I was going to have last Friday as the last part in the Shot in the Dark collection, but I just didn't quite feel a release yet to finish it. And um, normally I'm you know, before I even finish recording an episode, I know what I'm going to do next week or the next episode. And I just couldn't, I don't know, I just was, I couldn't think of anything else to do. And I felt like, not because I'm ever out of ideas, but I thought, you know what, I just need to do at least one more in this episode, uh, collection. And so I want to talk today about the hypocrisy of the government's informed consent curriculum. So I want to unpack that today in light of and with the filter of, of course, the childhood vaccination schedule and consent around that. We have covered a lot, guys, in the last few episodes. Um, off the top of my head, we've looked at the uh, the adjuvants and all the different things that make up the components of a vaccine and all of the safety data that is missing and the conflicts of interest because all of the clinical trials and uh, etc. are all um, uh, designed and sponsored by the pharmaceutical companies, right down to the media having a conflict of interest, our universities having conflicts of interest. So we've kind of unpacked all of that. We've looked at how the dosage has increased massively from 16 doses to 52. I think it's 16 different diseases that they're vaccinating against. We looked at how infectious disease had already declined so much that it was no longer a risk or it was a very, very, very low risk to Australian children. And so we looked at the why behind the schedule. But I want to look today at how the government can mandate the teaching of informed consent in schools, which actually has happened this year in 2023, and yet how they're breaching this whole concept of informed consent themselves so blatantly. So I want to compare what the government actually says and yet what they do in practice and how they've been able to get away with not practicing informed consent around vaccinations because instead they've actually relied on something called manufactured consent. And I want to um, talk, can you guys hear those birds? Oh my gosh, I do not know if you guys can hear that, but there's like a symphony of birds outside my window. Um, but it, yes, it's real time here, guys, <laughs> that I'm recording. Um, but I want to, uh, I'll get to the manufactured consent 
towards the end, because that will help explain a few things. But I want to look at what the education department have been mandated on behalf of the government to do in schools around informed consent and the hypocrisy that I can see so blatantly because they're not actually uh, practicing it themselves. So just to unpack it in case you didn't know, informed consent education is now mandatory, which I find kind of funny and a little bit hypocritical in itself, right? That they're forcing education about choice. Not that I'm against it, but I just think that was kind of a funny choice of words. Like if you look at any of the news articles on this um, or any of the interviews that were done, that is exactly the words that were used, that they are mandating informed consent training in all Australian schools, not just public schools, but private schools are required to do this as well at least from prep to year 10, and if possible, right through to year 12. So all Australian schools are now going to be required to teach age-appropriate consent education, which includes things like coercion, gendered stereotypes, and power imbalances from prep to year 10 as of this year. They made the decision last year, but it is now being rolled out this year, 2023. Now, the aim around it is completely understandable and it's a good thing. So my, I, I'm not trying to criticize the informed consent education. That's probably could be unpacked in a whole other podcast because it's very interesting, all of the different companies that are jumping up, trying to avail themselves and make themselves available to schools to be teaching this with all sorts of agendas. But however, the aim of it is good. It's to decrease violence against women, particularly sexual and domestic violence against women by teaching children how to have respectful relationships. So boys and girls, obviously. Now, this is clearly going to look different depending on, you know, if you're a prep student compared to like a year 10 or a year 11 student. But the value system underpinning the whole thing really is that we're teaching children and teenagers that their body belongs to them. And they always have the right to be in control of what happens to their bodies. And no one else has got the right to do anything to their bodies that they're not comfortable with. And if anyone wants to do anything with their bodies, they've got the right to know what it is, what they're going to do, and then to give or not give consent. Obviously, we're talking more around the older year levels where they're talking about sexual relationships in there. And they're also a teaching, by the way, that they've got the right to even withdraw consent if they at first gave it, they at any moment can withdraw their consent. Now, I wholeheartedly agree with the aim of this. And I'm, I remember when this started coming out and I started seeing our state premier talking about this on her Facebook. And she was talking about it at the same time that they were mandating everything around COVID and the lockdowns. And I remember just thinking, can you not see the disconnect and the hypocrisy here coming out of your mouth that on the one side you're talking about what a win this is, that we're going to be teaching this in schools and then like you're violating it in the very next moment with the way that you're treating us. So I really want to unpack the disconnect here with the government mandating the education of an idea that they themselves are violating you know, how can informed consent apply to our bodies around sexual assault and to our bodies around physical violence, but then for it not to apply to our bodies around a medical intervention, aka vaccinations. 
So let's look at what's being taught on informed consent and then compare that to what is actually happening, uh, to what the government are doing. Now, at its basic level, consent is seeking and giving permission. Now, the name of the curriculum, and it's an Australian curriculum, is called Respect Matters. So I took this next quote straight off the Australian Education Curriculum website when they were referring to this. It actually came out of the Respect Matters curriculum. It says, and I quote, students learn about establishing and managing respectful relationships and how power imbalances within a relationship can create a dynamic where coercion, intimidation, and manipulation can occur, leading to non-consensual or inappropriate behavior. Now, the obvious point here is that we are in a relationship with a massive power imbalance and they're teaching this. They're teaching about power imbalances to our students, to our children, but we ourselves are in a massive power imbalance with me and you and parents. We're the little guy and the government holding all the power. So I thought that was an interesting point. Now, children are taught a lot, if you have a look on the Respect Matters curriculum, about the importance of safety around informed consent. And in the section around safety, and you can have a look at this yourself, it says, and I quote, it is important that questions can be asked and ideas and opinions can be shared and discussed without fear of judgment or silencing. Now, I found that part of uh, the website kind of, I wouldn't say funny, but um, it probably just makes me so annoyed because the government who wrote this are breaching their own definition of safety because one is not allowed to ask questions or to share ideas and opinions when it comes to immunizations. In fact, if you do, you are judged and you are called an anti-vaxxer and you are actively silenced. So yet another big mark of hypocrisy. So now as a teacher, I'll explain to you that even though we have got a national curriculum, and in this case, the national curriculum is Respect Matters, each st state is allowed to use the national curriculum as a guideline and then we interpret it through our own state curriculums, right? That's how it's always worked. So this Australian curriculum, Respect Matters, serves as a guideline, but it's going to be outworked a little bit differently in each state. And obviously for time restraint, I didn't have time to look at and focus here on every single state. But I did have a look at Queensland because I'm familiar with Queensland. So we outwork the respectful uh, respect matters through a curriculum here called Respectful Relationships. And this program's actually already been going here since 2015. And so what the government here have done, which is quite smart, is they've taken something we were already doing and they've embedded the consent training in there. Now, again, anyone can jump online and go to the Respectful Relationships Hub. Uh, it, this is accessible for schools, for parents, and for students. Now, if you go into the parent portal, there's several options of what you can click on. Let me read some of them to you. There's a button that says the importance of respect, so you can click on that and learn more. There's another one that says how to talk to your child about respectful relationships, consent, and sexuality. There's another one on domestic and family violence, another one on technology-facilitated sexual violence, and then there's this one called 
called recognizing coercive control. So children are actively taught how to recognize coercive control so that they can resist it. Now, under that on that button, if you click it, it opens up to more information. And this is what I found. It said that recognizing coercive control refers to a pattern of abusive, threatening, and manipulative behaviors. People who use coercive control often limit their partner or family member's independence by controlling three things. Number one, it said their finances. Number two, their independence such as restricting access to services. And number three, they'll control their body, what they wear, what they eat, and access to medical treatment. Let's just stop right there. Because by definition, right, and this is the definition, this is the content that's being taught to our students, our children here in Queensland. By definition, by their definition, there is a great deal of coercive control going on around the childhood immunization schedule. We are told that it is voluntary while simultaneously being punished if we do not comply. So the government is controlling parents' decisions by withholding welfare benefits if they don't vaccinate and by restricting access of their child to childcare services and preschool services. And of course, definitely, they are controlling uh, our children through us um, with their when it comes to their bodily autonomy by um, uh, controlling access or what they say should be being put in their bodies as a medical intervention. So it's really clear when you look at all of these websites, these educational websites, that the government have a very good handle on what consent is all about. Like they wrote it. They wrote the manual for our schools. But as the saying goes, what's good for the goose is good for the gander certainly does not seem to apply here. They are talking the talk, but they do not walk the walk. They are teaching our kids that informed consent is crucial to a healthy future and how to recognize when their consent is being violated, um, such as through the use of uh, coercion, while at the very same time, they are using coercion on us. Now, of course, it is just common sense, and we all know that consent given under any sort of coercion or manipulation is not consent at all. So my gut tells me that forcing vaccination uptake this way is wrong. Imagine if someone said to you, hey, look, you know, say you're in a relationship with a guy and they go, your, your choice if you want to have sex, I'm not forcing you. If you don't though, I'm going to release those nude photos you sent me last month. Or look, it's your choice if you want to have sex, no pressure, but I could make sure you get that salary rise. Or you know what, if you're not going to have sex with me, I think that we should break up. Now, these are all clear examples of sexual coercion. These are the kinds of things being taught to our children in schools. They teach our kids, right, that it can look like you've given consent because you weren't forced, but it's just as bad if you were manipulated, guilted, controlled, bribed, or threatened into saying yes. 
all the while, this is exactly what is happening to us as parents. We are being manipulated, guilted, controlled, bribed, and even threatened into making sure that our children participate in the vaccination schedule. Now, let me go to the Australian government website themselves around immunization, and I quote, it states, vaccination in Australia is not compulsory. I heard our Prime Minister over COVID saying that over and over and over again. And again, I'm like, how can he say that when when we're clearly being coerced in some of the most terrible ways? So while the websites say that vaccination is not compulsory, yet they're using coercion in the form of exactly like our children are being taught in schools, they're using financial incentives by either giving or the withholding of benefits. Of course, I'm talking financial benefits. They are coercing by withholding social services, such as children having to be fully vaccinated from 2016 to access preschool and childcare centres. They are denying access to study opportunities that would apply particularly to university students. And of course, if we go beyond that, many adults are being denied access to employment. So in taking these coercive measures, they are removing free choice from Australians. So remember the campaign that rolled out a few years ago? It wasn't that long ago. Oh gosh, maybe it was. I'm trying to think how many years ago it was. In 2016 or 2015. And it was called the No Jab, No Pay. Uh, I also saw it as written as No Jab, No Play campaign. So No Jab, No Pay, meaning if you didn't get your children vaccinated, then you would not get paid welfare benefits the parenting pay, and no jab, no play, meaning you, if you did not comply, you would have your access to childcare taken away. Now, just remember, by the way, that these are vaccines that most parents, and we're all mixing with each other too, that we've not had for infectious diseases that are low risk, right? Now, if parents choose not to vaccinate, or maybe they do so selectively, they will not receive these welfare benefits or these childcare subsidies uh, either. So until, unless they've proven that they are making, um, like making the vaccination schedule up slowly. So this was more than a campaign. This was actually a government policy, the no jab, no pay policy that was approved by the Australian government in November 2015. Now, interestingly, there were actually thousands of of submissions against it. A lot of people, a lot of Australian people were not happy about this. Now, normally it can take as few as 10 submissions. So submissions, I'm talking about people actually writing in, like writing an email to a politician saying we're not happy. Usually it can take as few as 10 to change a politician's mind. Now, this policy had thousands of submissions against it. And there were two national rallies against it, but these were not reported on by the mainstream media, which you're going to find out in just a second is not a surprise as the media in this case benefit from these vaccination policies. So really they didn't care what the Australian people thought they were going to do this. Now, on top of this coercion, they also further removed any rights that we had 
um, before this rolled out where you could get exemptions that were based on religious reasons or philosophical reasons or medical exemptions. But when this policy rolled out, they also removed any rights that we had around religious differences or philosophical differences. Let me remind us that it was actually our, well, previous Christian prime minister who back in 2015 as the social service as the social services minister who brought the no jab no pay policy in and he was also the one our Christian prime minister Scott Morrison who made sure that religious exemptions were no longer able to be used against vaccinations So in announcing the rollout, let me quote what he said. He didn't want to be interviewed about the no jab, no pay at the time, but uh, there was one journalist that managed to get an interview. And let me tell you exactly what he said. And I quote, so the only exemption is now medical. We're not accepting any further exemptions from any religious exemptions, Mr. Morrison announced. Now, the No Jab, No Pay campaign was eagerly rolled out through the Murdoch Media slash News Corps, who, yes, of course, would benefit from this policy because you would recognize the Murdoch Media as they are corporate partners of the Murdoch Children's Research Institute, who do what? Well, they're, of course, as we know from last week, involved in vaccination research. And according to their website, they are the ones that provide evidence to help shape government vaccination policy. So it's just this huge web and vicious cycle of conflicts of interest where the Murdoch Institute are giving the advice to the government and they're all sitting pretty together. Then um, the media who are obviously connected to that are then the ones shaping the narrative to us, the public. So the media has got a massive conflict of interest because they are benefiting from helping the government with their no jab, no pay campaign. Now, in my book, that goes further than coercion. This is just plain out, unethical, immoral, and a total abuse of power. Our own AMA, the Australian Medical Association, have actually adopted as and have had this for a long, long, many, many decades, have adopted as a part of their code of ethics, the Nuremberg Code. Now that came about after medical experimentation was forced upon the Jews during World War II and also the physician's oath. Now, both of these protect our right to full informed consent and bodily autonomy. And the AMA has a, have adopted these and agreed to sign up to these as a part of their code of ethics. And so our government are actually violating their own code of ethics. But even though they have signed up to several international agreements like the Nuremberg Code, this is where the problem lies. They haven't adopted them into our domestic law. They've just signed up saying, sure, we'll agree to this, but they haven't put anything into our law. So we're not protected by a Bill of Rights. So not only are we told that vaccines are not compulsory, but then coerced into taking them by removing essential financial support and education, if children are harmed by them, families are not compensated and the companies are protected. Now, I know this has slightly changed with the COVID vaccine where there is a um, 
uh, a compensation scheme, but it's very small and I know it's very difficult to get recognized on there. But anyway, go figure. It's really like protecting the abuser. So I think what the government is doing is the height of manipulation and deceit and coercion because they're telling us that they have to force this on us because it's what's best for us. This is what, you know, it's going to take to keep you safe and to keep our community safe. And yet they have no empirical data. And if you want to hear those conversations, go back to the first conversation and make sure you listen to all of them of this shot in the dark collection. But they have no empirical empirical data to prove that this schedule is keeping us safe. And instead, all of the evidence is pointing towards the fact that it isn't at all and it could actually be harming our children. On what planet is this acceptable? Imagine if we taught children that if someone in power tells you something is good for you and best for you, even though your gut tells you otherwise and you don't feel safe, you have to do what they say. These policies have violated our right to inform consent because doctors are not informing parents of the ingredients in the vaccines when they are known to cause harm. They're also not informing them of potential serious health risks to our children. And yet the government continue to swear black and blue that there is nothing to see here because according to them, quote, vaccines are not compulsory. Now, after that rolled out, four years later, by 2019, it was estimated that an extra 200,000 kids were vaccinated. So that was a direct result of the manipulation and the coercion of the no jab, no pay campaign. So let me tell you what has happened. I mentioned at the start this concept known as manufacturing consent. And I think this is really the only explanation that I can come up with of how they've gotten away with breaching their own informed consent. Now, this phrase was first coined right back in 1922, and since then there's been a book written about it by Edward Chomsky. So him and the initial guy were, um, are, you know, you can Google this yourself and find out lots of information. But basically, manufactured consent is a little bit different from informed consent. So to manufacture consent, it means that uh, it means to create a system in which citizens become willing and obedient, consenting and unquestioning, in which they obey certain principles and paradigms, all why? Because of corporate-sponsored propaganda through mass media and commercialism. So it happens when the public are only given a partial picture of the issues and denied access to alternative views which might lead them to oppose these policies. So in this way, they get to manipulate and engineer a consensus. So it doesn't look like a direct breach of informed consent. So simply put, they manipulate people without them being aware of it. It's a tool to artificially create a consent of how people should act and live, not because they want to, but because they feel that they should. Now, there's a great quote by George Bernard Shaw where he says, beware of false knowledge. It is more dangerous than ignorance. And that's exactly what has been happening. So we have to remember in all of this 
that we need to be very, very wary of the source of our information, knowing the manipulation and the conflicts of interest going on behind the scenes when it comes to what we're being told about our immunization schedule. Now, we know that the media is neither free nor objective nor unbiased, especially when we find out the conflicts of interest. And neither are any of the clinical trials behind these policies, which we also know have a massive conflict of interest. So what you and I need to do, and this is where I want to wrap it up, what we do need to do is to bury ourselves deep in the data and find the real information as best we can. And I'm hoping that I've been able to help you just a little bit, especially with, like I always say to you guys, I don't want you to know, uh, I don't want to tell you what to think, but I want to help you with how to think. Now, I know that I've presented a lot of um, a lot of information and you're probably, some of you might be like, well, it's obvious maybe what I might think. Um, but what I think was really important in this whole discussion is that we've only ever been told one side of the conversation. We've only ever been told one side of everything. We've only been privy to selected and partial information. And that's because of all the handholding under the table, so to speak, and all of the conflicts of interest and Peter playing, paying Paul and all of this stuff that's going on. And so it's very hard for you and I, the small person, the parent, the average Australian to try and work out, well, what the heck is the truth here? And so I thought it was important to, um, to talk about the other side of it. And again, like I said, I'm not the arbiter of truth. I said this last week, this is just to spark some inf- uh, conversation and some thinking in you so that you can now go on and do more research. I know some of you have reached out to me and said, hey, do you have a graph on this or do you have a, a link on this? And I'll always send you guys whatever I have found. Um, and I don't think that it is purely vaccination that is, uh, you know, the the thing that could be harming our children. I think there's a lot of other things like uh, our food and our plastics and all sorts of stuff. But What I want to encourage all of us to be doing around all of this is to not be afraid to ask questions and that it's okay to debate uh, about this. And we can also make sure that when you're told that something is science, that you go a little bit further and go, hang on a second, who was the one behind the trials and the research that made this science up? Um. And obviously, one of the biggest one that comes to mind recently is that we were told that the COVID vaccine was safe and effective, but did no one stop to think that we were told that by the clinical trials that were done by Pfizer and then they hid their documentation? Like, does that not ring anyone's alarm bells, guys? So we have to be not afraid to ask questions, not afraid to have these conversations, Uh, especially of our doctors. And we also have to be refused to be silent. Now, I don't go having these conversations with everybody, although you might say, Renee, you're doing it on a podcast, so you are in a way. But um, people choose to come here for these conversations. And um, I love to be able to sit down with people who think the complete opposite to me and for me to be able to ask them questions. Um, because it's when we're asking these questions that it makes them go, gosh, do you know what? I don't know. I 
haven't thought about that or I haven't researched that or they might be able to share information with me. And so it's not a matter of being right or wrong. It's a matter of gathering all of the information and going through it all and comparing and then coming to our own conclusions. So we have to refuse to be silent. We have to have respectful conversations with one another because our kids' lives, our kids' futures actually depend upon it. So guys, I want to say thank you so much for having the absolute guts to come and join me for this conversation. I have been so pleasantly surprised that I haven't received any rude comments or rude messages, not even in person where every now and then someone might have a bit of a, you know, sarcastic joke with me, but really it's like they're trying to have a dig. I haven't had any of that. I've had nothing but good messages and and encouragement. And so I'm really glad that we've got a group of people here that um, are up for all of these conversations and sharing of information together. If there's something I don't know that you found out, send it along and I can share it. So guys, I really do appreciate you. I really do love you guys. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you for the people that have uh, been writing new reviews lately on Apple Podcasts. I really appreciate that as well. It just helps to get um, Girl Next Door podcast into more listeners so that we can, my heart, my aim is to help people um, navigate this crazy world that we're living in by making sure that we all have a moral compass to guide us. And, um, you know, my worldview is Christian. And so I just love though, that I have people from all walks of life listening. So I love you have a really, really fantastic week. And now I have to think about what to talk about, uh, for our parenthood episode on Friday. So I'll see you then. Bye.